welcome back to another incredible evening edition of It's Almost the Weekend. Ah, do you feel that? you feel that cool evening Melbourne breeze drifting through the window as you have woken from a nap and you're incredibly disorientated? You're not sure what year it is or even what time it is. Wow. Darren? It's like Does that feel familiar? Made, it was like this was made just for me. Yeah. Yeah. Created it on the spot just for you. <laughs> yeah. I am extremely crispy, but I'm I'm here to deliver the goods. I would I would never turn up and sit in front of a microphone without wanting to deliver the goods. So despite the result, the intention is there. Excellent. Yep. The goods are here to be delivered. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, we sort of know how you're doing, but how are you doing officially? <laughs> yeah, Darren? no, I think officially, overall, bird's eye view, I'm Ooh. doing pretty all right. I, uh, I've i been doing a lot of house stuff. I go overseas tomorrow. So when this Jesus. airs, when this airs, I will be well and truly uh, tripping out in Southeast Asia. So very, very excited for that. Living um, it up overseas yeah get what's the plan are you gonna do a big relax holiday oh yeah it's it's so good i've got an absolutely optional itinerary so i've Mm. got an itinerary for like every day you know massage parlors that are close by fine arts museums all the stuff all the stuff that i enjoy doing um when i'm overseas but Nothing is booked in. Everything's mm. just like wake up on the day and see how you feel. Because sometimes you, you wake up and you kind of have that that urge and you know you need to go out and do something and embed yourself in the culture somehow. Yes. But other days I just sit there with my belly button out looking at that white <laughs> privilege staring back at me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, give me another coconut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sit oh. by the pool, sit by the ocean, <laughs> yeah. one of the two. That's right. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited, but yeah, it's just it's just been a hell of a hell of a time getting getting all that ready. Like yep. uh, one thing that I've been really enjoying is like getting my coffee game together. I uh, I invested in a secondhand dual boiler espresso machine. Oh, which uh, which means the uh, the pumps and and the heating elements for the espresso shot and the milk are, are distinct, so you can do both at the same time. Oh wow! And okay, uh, yeah, I I bought it. I bought this second hand deal from uh, from this dude whose job is to service coffee machines. So I just oh, feel like yeah. really safe. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's, I mean, yeah, we talk about gamifying things all the time, but this is, this is like a slay the spider run. You know, you've got, you've got like the dose of the beans, the yield of the shot and like the time Mm -hmm. that you pull the shot and you've just got to like juggle all this maths. It's really engaging. You should get, uh, uh, Jamie to come around and, um, tune your machine for you because she's really good at that i would love nothing more (laughs) that that would be amazing yeah i uh, when i stayed 
uh, over at your place for the Armored Core experience. Oh, yeah, you had the Jamie experience. Oh, it was so nice. So nice. I mean, yeah, God, living with someone who has experience with coffee, that's just Mm. one of life's few pleasures. No, one of life's many (laughs) pleasures. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes 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 yeah it is pretty cool um it's i i feel like we used to her and i sort of used to make a similar level of coffee like mm-hmm. you know it was kind of a bit of a flip of the coin which who's gonna do who's gonna be better but now mine's trash right. <laughs> it's garbage compared to the coffee that jamie makes so it's a yeah um yeah it's crazy i didn't realize how much of it was like tuning the machine to do very specific things you know like i thought right. you just sort of like hit the button and hope for the best most of the time, apart from, you know, obviously grinding the beans to the right, um, what would you call it? Size? Density. Density? Yeah. Yeah. Granularity? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How finely or coarsely you grind the beans is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the pressure that you push them through the little thing with. Uh, mm. But I didn't realize there was all this other stuff, like, yeah, the time that you have to spend and, yeah, it's- all kinds of things that I just didn't know about. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. Mm. I love like kind of getting into a hobby really intensely for a short while and then kind of, you know, getting everything all set up and like you say, tuning the machine or dialing Mm. in and uh, then just abandoning it months (laughs) later. Yeah, yeah. Forgetting about it 100%. (laughs) That sounds like me. Sounds like something I would do. Uh, But yeah, so I've been busy, but I've been good. I've been squeezing a couple of games in there, a couple of video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about the games. Been chipping away at Celeste, which is just lovely. Um, Without spoiling anything, I I just played through that scene uh, where they're on the... Oh, there's a specific word for those things. You know, they're like on a wire... And it's like a lift through the mountains. Oh, a ski lift? Yeah, kind of like a ski lift, but it's bigger and your legs aren't dangling off. You're like, uh, I want to say Bay Marie, but it's so not a Bay Marie. Every listener (laughs) is like, fucking hell, it's exactly this. Anyway, you're on one of those things and it's it's a really... uh, kind of intense slash emotional scene and just so impressive what that studio did with a 2d platformer like it's Mm so i don't know there's there's so many scenes in that game that give me goosebumps that aren't part of the gameplay yeah yeah i was surprised at that game's emotional impact for sure Mm. it kept kept hitting me in the guts Mm. Um, yeah yeah it's good it's good stuff yeah really cool really simple really yeah delicious and uh the other game i begin getting into because I, I wanted to get a holiday game i wanted yes. i wanted to get into something on the switch so i could just do it whenever i felt like when i go overseas i got plane trips which is perfect for that shit uh and i picked up death's gambit have you heard of this game oh the name is so familiar but i do not know so this is one of those um, mid-range Metroidvanias. So oh. this isn't this isn't up with the likes of like Hollow Knight and in uh, you know quotation Super Metroid, uh, but it's it's more along the lines of the Messenger and Blasphemous. Mm. 
you know, mm-hmm. so it's not like a mega hit or whatever, but it's still apparently very good. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's very much one of those games that's an amalgamation of everything that has come before it. So like, uh, you know, very much inspired by Souls. Uh, it, the, the combat seems cool. The combat seems varied. Unlike mm. unlike the messenger and blasphemous, it's uh, it's kind of like Salt and Sanctuary in that you can choose a bunch of classes and uh, you know a bunch of items and yeah, it's uh, it's cool, cool pixel art, bit of bit of good action Metroidvania stuff, but uh, you know nothing that's gonna gonna change the game, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Cassette Beasts on Switch? Uh, Our game club game. Oh yeah, shout out game club game for December cassette beasts. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You said it was like Pokemon, did you? Yeah, I think it time? is on Switch. It is. It's it's twenty bucks. Oh, right. twenty USD. Yuck. <laughs> um, and it's free on Game Pass, of course. Yeah. Man, wouldn't it be nice if you could just be like, "Hey, I got Game Pass," and Switch would just be like, "Hey, I see you got Game Pass," and like lets you have the game that you already have access to for free. Oh, man, that's the way Microsoft is is biting off companies that make games. It's it's gonna yeah. be like that. It's gonna be like that, and Game Pass will be a hundred dollars a month, but yeah. <laughs> you'll be able to play it on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Play it on your fridge. Play it on your Nana's heartbeat machine. What's a heartbeat machine? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Heart rate well, monitor. These things have names, you know. They definitely have names. And um, one of our dear listeners, I know exactly who it is, knows exactly. It's a gondola. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a gondola. We'll, uh, we'll remember the name of the heartbeat machine a bit later on. <laughs> it's whatever the thing that goes, beep, that thing. Yeah. You know? Oh, I know. They know too, but they know more than us. That's the frustrating mm. part. <laughs> anyway, you'll be able to play uh, cassette beasts on that. In yeah. The future. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, keen to keen to get my teeth into that game club's game. But uh, yeah, that's about it for me. What about you, Joe? What have you been playing, and and how are you feeling in general? day-to-day life <laughs> god damn <laughs> Ooh, uh yeah i've been good i've been good uh i've been doing a big complicated thing today so if i phase out more than often then you know what's going on it's not that i'm bored by what you're saying it's that my brain has just decided to start thinking about that again oh yeah no you've so, you've always got a free pass with me babe it's no worries yeah, yeah. but anyway there's the ex- explanation um yeah, I mean, we had Jamie's dad's wedding over the weekend, so that was a bit of a bop. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah, it was. It's always fun to get dressed up in a suit and you know do the whole wedding thing. Yeah, um, cool. It's always like quite a surprise how emotional weddings can be. You know, like oh. you're just sitting there, and then all of a sudden the bride comes out, and you're like, "Oh no, <laughs> why, why am I crying?" Oh, dude, uh, I'm useless yeah. at a wedding. Seriously, yeah. I cry every time. Even if I don't know them that well, I'm just yes. like, there's something, 
I don't know. You know, weddings can feel so tacky or whatever, but yes. no matter what type of wedding it is or how my thoughts are around whatever is going on, whenever, like, the bride starts walking down the aisle or the chapel or wherever you are, I'm just like, mm. this is fucked up. I can't handle it. This is so yeah. pure. <laughs> yes, yes. Pure is maybe the right word for it, yeah. There's something there that is undeniable, which is pretty crazy. You can't... Mm. can't put your finger on it mm. anyway um so yeah that's that was pretty cool had some neat little ideas for my own wedding coming up soon and uh Ooh, so that's nice good. nice yeah it's always good it's like uh house sitting you know or seeing someone else's house and you're like that's a good idea i'm gonna steal that idea yes yes exactly um and uh yeah on saturday we had or I had uh, Johnny's birthday party, my boss. He, uh, he, he had a chip and stick world championship. Have I told you about the chip and stick? <laughs> no, you have not. I might have mentioned it here and there, but I don't know. Uh, he, so we got this. Um, this is very, like, it sounds very corpo-y, but I promise it's wholesome and, and good. Hell yeah. But, you know, make your own judgments, I guess. Um, <laughs> do you know, like, those putting greens that you can get for indoors? They're just like a... A ball and a cup, effectively, and you oh, just put totally. them in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you say, very popular in corporate offices. Yes. Well, this one is like a chipping one, and it's got like Velcro balls that land on a Velcro mat, and you mm. get a score based on where they land. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been having that in the office every so often, just as a way to get up and move the body around. But it's also quite fun. Nice. Um, and yeah, for Johnny's birthday, he had a little soiree at the office, and we had like a a chip and stick grand finale um elimination battle royale oh and so yeah everyone lines up and then they have the they hit their best chip they get one shot and the person who's furthest away gets knocked out and then rinse and repeat until it's 1v1 and the person who's furthest away loses hell yeah and if you get a hole in one, which has only ever happened three times, and I'm one of those three. If you get a hole in one, <laughs> if you get a hole in one, you get to go straight down to the finals. So you just immediately are in with a chance to win. Oh shit. All right. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to gauge how this story's flowing. Like, is this a story where Joe wins and like completely decimates the birthday guy or the is, birthday guy? Is, is, <laughs> it's me, is, the birthday guy. Yeah. Johnny the birthday guy. Or is this <laughs> is this a story where Joe gets decimated and the birthday guy wins? How does this story end? Yeah, so it was, um, I mean, it was pretty loose. Lots of people drink and it was kind of hard to keep track of who was whose balls was who because there was way more people than we've ever had for a, mm-hmm. a battle royale. But mm-hmm. anyway, we got through it. In the end, it was me v. Johnny. Oh, shit. Okay, so all right. I was in the final, the final <laughs> chip. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Johnny goes first and he chips it, but it doesn't go anywhere near the middle of the green. It sort of lands towards the bottom of the mat. It's still on the mat, though, you know? Useless. Useless birthday guy. The elation's gone to his head. He's off his game. He basically congratulated me at that point. I hadn't even done anything yet apart from making it to the finals. And I was like, okay, well, we'll just see. I chip it and the ball sails over the back of the mat and bounces into the next room. And uh, he (laughs) immediately (laughs) accuses me of letting him win. <laughs> Which I didn't. I really did try to win, but yeah, it looked. It really did look like I just flubbed it on purpose, and I, uh, yeah, I can see how that would be. 
okay. <laughs> I didn't. I did try. I promise. Yeah. Look, there's so many layers there. It's his birthday. Yeah, he's I your know. boss. Yeah. I know. Oh my god. Oh dear. <laughs> he's definitely the sort of boss that if I did beat him, it wouldn't be an issue. Oh no, of course uh, not. Of course yeah. not. But yeah. yeah, that's classic. Very, um, very Joe of you to flub the ending sincerely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it felt on, on, um, on point, mm. on uh, aesthetic. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that was kind of the weekend. I was, I was pretty tired come Monday morning. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been pretty chill today. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I've been playing uh, some Magic the Gathering with Jamie, which is always good. Man, I love the constant. You- yeah, you've got this thing going on with Jamie. Just magic is such a big part of your life now. Did you ever, did you ever no. foresee this? No, you could you could have told me that, and I would have said you're an idiot. I'm, I will <laughs> never be a nerd like that. <laughs> um, and I've been playing. Oh, I've been playing a bit of that um, Lethal Company that I told you about last time we recorded. Oh sure, I I did see that they had a hundred thousand concurrent players today or yesterday or over the weekend. Yeah, that's the first piece of news. Oh uh, shit, what a segue! <laughs> yeah, nice job. Um, yeah, so Little Company got a hundred thousand concurrent players, which is amazing for a game self-published with a team of like five people. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I don't know how many copies they sold, but concurrent players at a hundred thousand that's easily a million bucks i mean not counting steam cuts but yeah that's great congrats to them they're obviously onto something and yeah the way you were describing it last week it sounded really awesome yeah i'm very sad it's not on anything but pc right now yeah yeah i mean it's it's cool because like it's uh i mean there's so many games these days that like capture people's attention but they're all kind of they feel like modern games all kind of feel this way, this kind of like, you know, very polished, very like manicured, marketed, published things, um, mm-hmm. which I guess a lot of the people that are playing this are experiencing like a weird indie game for the first time, which is kind of fun to witness. Right. Uh, like a bunch of, you know, younger gamers being like, what the hell is this weird thing? And like, <laughs> right. There's always been weird indies. It's just, you know, you're just seeing one for the first time. Hell yeah. That's um, great. And yeah, the, the proximity chat in it is just next level. Like the, uh, I kind of wish they had it in other games, like in Hunt, it would be fun to have mm. proximity chat, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, they do, but not for your teammates, only for enemies. Yeah. You can, like sure. yell out to your, yeah, to people. Um, and, but yeah, the, the proximity chat in this is really cool. It's got like um, different audio treatment, depending on where you are. Like if you're in a house or in a forest or underwater or being attacked by a face hugging bug. <laughs> it, all, it all changes the way that your audio comes through and it's it's quite good all right that's awesome next piece of news um is i think i can't remember if i mentioned this last week but gubbins came out did i mention that last time we didn't talk about gubbins no yeah okay gubbins uh game by studio folly local melbourne studio headed up by darcy uh, who's, who's a friend of a bunch of people who I work with and I've, I've hung out with him a small handful of times, so I don't know if he would remember who I am. Uh, so I don't feel quite qualified calling him a friend, but maybe I am his friend. <laughs> who knows? Uh, yeah, Gubbins came out and it's, uh, it's been doing real good. I mean, I don't know about numbers or anything like that, but it's been yeah. up in the top tippy tops of the charts for a little while now. Mm. Um, and Hank 
Green, the person who is the, you know, famous YouTuber who helped fund the last patch of development for it has been tweeting and talking about it a lot. Right. Got a shout out on a famous video game podcast called uh something buddies good buddies best buddies something like that video game buddies <laughs> oh um ecg machine that's the heartbeat ECG. machine oh ecg machine thank you thank you <laughs> yes you'd be able to play set beasts on ecg right. <laughs> yeah. and so now we've got to remember the name of this podcast wow we're we're doing we're just a bit slower than we set out you know we're, we're gonna get there in the yeah. end but we're just gonna be quiet uh, forgetful in the outset. I think it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm not even going to bother looking it up. It's just going to come to me eventually. Best buddies. Uh, I don't know if that's right either. I sort best of, buddies. Oh, best great. buds. Yeah. Best Something buds. like that. Good friends. Anyway, it got talked about by um, prominent uh, internet figure Griffin McRoy on that podcast. And so Hopefully they're getting a whole bunch of new players and uh, yeah, it's a fun Mimi good time going download Gubbins. It's free on iOS and Android. Um, the way it works, the monetization in it is there's no monetization, like no ads or like purchasable items, but you can pay a fee to play more than one round of Gubbins a day. So like you get a round of Gubbins, you can play one round each of the three different modes. And after that, you have to stop playing for the day. But if you pay, I think it's like $7 or something, uh, you can just play Infinite Governance games. Sick. Yeah, we, we love that. It, it's, it feels really well made. And um, friend of the pod, uh, violinist Chloe Sanger features. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know just... if we need to not mention her last name there, but yeah. No, nah, no, nah, we're, we're doing shout outs, babe. There's, okay, there's no sure. redacted here. She's right, uh, sure. she's out there making music. Yeah, sure. um, okay. She's she's friends with Kat. Uh, oh God, what's her name? She's a jazz composer, Kat Wiktorsky. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Who did the music for Gubbins, um, yeah, which is delightful. Yeah. yeah, it was wild. I saw them tweeting about like the the composition and the recording of the tracks, and the Chloe was in the in the booth, and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> I know that person. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, very cool to see Chloe pop up on the soundtrack, which is yeah. delightful. Hell yeah. Um, and then final piece of news. We're getting through it pretty quick today, it feels like. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, <laughs> the PS5 remaster of The Last of Us Part 2 is uh, got announced. Yes. Classic Naughty Dog. <laughs> Always remastering and remaking their the, the games. Those remasters must make a lot of money. I mean, you don't, you don't need it. It looks so good on the PS4. It like, it looks amazing. Yeah. Save yeah. your money. They're probably gonna charge full price. Uh, it might be like the first one where they have a bunch of accessibility options that maybe is, is really great, but obviously feels kind of weirdly predatory because they lock it behind like a full yeah. price tag again for like an old game. So just, yeah, just buy the PS4 version. It's fantastic. It runs perfectly. It's, uh, yeah. it's one of those, one of those things where we, you know, we talk about the, the big jumps in generations PS4 to PS5 ain't shit like that it's not a big jump <laughs> and it's not a big enough jump to to justify a whole you. new version yeah exactly paying full price for a whole new version of a game that is already like has great performance and looks great look at 
Darian on the soapbox <laughs> ranting about <laughs> Some people I just, spending their money know. in ways they shouldn't. Yeah. You never know when it's going to start. You never know when I'm going to step up onto that box. It just, <laughs> I, I just slide into it. Some things make me so mad and I know. It, it's fun getting more mad than is required. Uh, dude, you, you're talking to the, the king of going <laughs> off on r- ragey tangents. <laughs> So it's not a hundred percent a full price remaster if you oh. have the original disc, or I think if you have the original digital copy on your PlayStation account, you get the game for ten bucks. Oh, okay, all right. So rant retracted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want no, to okay. cut you off because I was enjoying it so much. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it also comes with a couple of new things. So let me just read from this Polygon article here: The Last of Us. Part two remaster will arrive bundled with a host of special features and an alt and an entirely new mode, No Return, described mm-hmm. as a roguelike survival mode designed to let players prove their mettle in randomized encounters with uh, and experience the Last of Us Part Two's combat in fresh experience. That's a long sentence. Featuring a number of new playable characters, each with their own skill set. The hope is to give even the most familiar players a new challenge oh so, roguelike yeah. last of us now that yeah that is something i did not expect that's pretty cool that's uh damn yeah. it stupid pre-rant i ranted before i had all the information uh... <laughs> which is which is a very common internet folly yeah yeah i don't think you can't really rant if you have all the information you know? <laughs> 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 then then you wouldn't be so irate about it. You'd be like, oh, it all sounds reasonable. Damn it. Come on. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the release date for that has been uh, slated for January 19th, 2024. So it's coming pretty soon. You know, a couple right. months. Mate, the way things are going, that's next week. It's, yeah, it's going to be yeah. here. It's going to be on top of us. Yeah, look, uh, time is horrible. Um <laughs> And that's all the news I got for you. Far out. That's that's good. Well, uh, like I say, I've got a big backlog of news, but um, I want to hit wanna us give with you one. I want to give you something tasty. Yeah, just yeah, sure. Just something tasty. Uh, right at the end. Let's see what we got here. Oh, how about this? How about this? We can we can gamify this thing. So Capcom is redesigning their Resident Evil engine. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an engine that Monster Hunter Rise, Devil May Cry 5, Street Fighter 6, um, Resident Evil 4 Remake, um, it, all that was built on the current engine. And, yeah, uh, the, crazy the, engine. Oh, yeah, right? Those, that, is, that is a wide gamut of uh, different games. I mean, Street Fighter 6, that's, that's bananas. And is Monta- Monster Hunter Rise, is that the one that we actually played for an hour? Yes wild yeah so this engine yeah. is malleable um Does it all. yeah which is which is like that's a, that's a big deal i know cd project red did um the same thing for the witcher 3 original release mm-hmm. um you know they had their own engine and do you do you feel like this is something that is a good idea for a big company to do to like invest in creating oh. their own engine Be- oh fuck sorry that's a huge question isn't yeah. it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say that's a topic oh, you right. accidentally stumbled into topic land you All activated right. my trap card um, <laughs> yeah. 
Look, I, I will say a lot of uh, older studios like are more likely to use a in-house engine. You know, they've been around mm. for such a long time that, and they've had enough success to, you know, be enabled to create custom stuff. Right. Um, that said, a lot of uh, more indie studios typically will use one of the three main engines, Godot, Unreal, or Unity, yeah. and uh, end up at the end of their development period having basically tacked on a whole heap of new tools and accessories right. and plugins and abilities that the engine doesn't come with natively. So you sort of end up with a custom version of the engine regardless. Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess the thing that's useful for an in-house engine is that it's highly debuggable. You can basically plug, oh, if, if, if the people who made the engine still work there, of course, mm -hmm. and if they've <laughs> like coded it in such a way that it's like, you know, easily debuggable, that's kind of goes without saying, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas you look at something like Unreal and a lot of it, unless you have someone who's like an Unreal tech, like you're mm -hmm. lucky enough to have someone who knows the ins and outs, it's, it's quite hard to crack into. Mm, um, okay. compared to like Unity, which is a lot easier to crack into. So, you know, there's like pluses and minuses for um, having kind of picking one over the other. It's typically if you're, if you're an indie studio and you're, you know, only a few people strong, you wouldn't try and build your own engine first prior to making a video game. That's, is, that's pure insanity. Right. Wow. Well, that was a really great answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off, off the back of that, I've got uh, the Resident Evil sales leaderboard here. Mm. Um, and this, this leaderboard is, is for the lifetime of the Resident Evil series. Um, it's, it's true as of September 2023. Like I say, some of these news pieces are a bit old now. Um, but yeah, do you want to have a crack at what is the most, um, sold Resident Evil game? And this includes all the, you know, all the new remakes and that kind of thing. Oh, I mean, Resident Evil 4 has been selling in various iterations for many years now. So I would mm -hmm. say Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 is third at Whoa. 13 million copies. Okay. Call me an idiot. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, Resident Evil 2? Bro. So, Resident Evil 2 Remake is second. Yeah, um, okay. That, that game is insanely good and popular. You love yeah. you love to see it. Um, and this, this is, this is going to surprise you. Listeners, number one is going to surprise you. Uh, Resident <laughs> Evil 5 is number one. What? It's, yeah, Resident Evil 5, the two-player Resident Evil game, 14.2 uh, million sales. That seems busted, dude. What the right. fuck? Yeah. And these, this is, like, official from um, Capcom. You know, this isn't, this isn't Jason Schreier as uh, good as his uh, track record is. This, is. this is straight from the Beast of the Mouth or the Mouth of the Beast, whichever you'd prefer. Oh my god. Um okay. Yeah, I I didn't expect that at all. Um yeah. So what's what's with the gamers in the 2000 <laughs> whenever this 2009 period just being like let's all buy this one video game. 
Yeah, well, I think at, at the time, Resident Evil was one of those untouchable IPs, you know? Mm. it Like, they did one, and then two, and then three, and then four. <laughs> That's and, like, usually how they... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, like... What the with, fuck? Like, <laughs> shut up, shut they, up. they counted from one through... <laughs> <laughs> shut up. No. I meant it. I was, like... I was... Oh, God, that was so innocent. I was, like, Im- <laughs> yeah. Im- imagining specifically the Resident Evil game themselves because each game is kind of uh better than the last in some way especially with those um original entries i know um two is is much more beloved than three but like at the time three is pretty crazy for the time period to have Mm. this uh you know this beast follow you around as the main part of the game um <laughs> but yeah yeah and then five was obviously so much worse than all of those and yeah. Uh, yeah i guess this is one of those examples of of gamers actually voting with their wallet like they were on the ride they were on the resident evil ride and then resident evil 5 burnt them and mm. uh they tape it off yeah, I mean, I, I remember playing um, Resident Evil 5 with Jim, friend of the pod, a drummer of Mild Life. Uh, oh, yeah. And they have a new single, which is a bop. So oh, my God, yeah. Sh- shout out to that new Mild Life single. It fucking rolls. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was sick. I, I remember having a great time, but it was just like not... I, I hadn't really done much Resident Evil up until that point. Right. And I don't even know why we had it. So it's it's weird to me to think like that it sold so much uh, compared to some of these more recent Resident Evil games, which have been you know pretty hyped. Mm, yeah. Compared to that sort of semi-obscure feeling game, maybe I just wasn't on the didn't have my hand on the pulse in the same way that I do these days. Yeah, uh, maybe I mean, video games were just different back then. <laughs> to give you some context, uh, the Resident Evil Three remake sold eight million. And the Resident Evil 4 remake sold 5.4 million. What the fuck? Uh, such a good game. Yeah. Keeping in mind, though, the, this is lifetime sales and that game came out oh, this right. year. So, you know, Re- yeah. Resident Evil 5 has been out for like 20 years. <laughs> I don't know, 15 years, a long time. Um, yeah. I wonder as well if any of that is getting like inflated by giveaways, um, being on Xbox, not, whatever it is, you know, the fucking storefronts for free. Yeah. 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 I'm sure Who it knows? is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Well, I, the, you know, like I say, this is from Capcom, so they're, they're yeah. going to want to inflate those numbers any way they can. Yeah, because sale, that seems like such a bonkers number of sales for a game. Even though, like like you say, like if it got, if gamers got burnt on it, you'd assume the curve would taper off pretty quick, but it, would, it seems as though it hasn't tapered off. Maybe it became like a Metal Gear Rising situation. It became like Mimi and a bunch of people played it as a result of that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm starting to slam my words. <laughs> Potentially, I when I say taper off, I mean that all the games that came after Resident Evil Five sold less. Right, so, okay. like yeah, just trying to read the tea leaves. I feel like everyone was in on that Resident Evil ride. Five came out, disappointed a lot of people, and then people became mistrustful of the Resident Evil brand. Hmm. Then mm. they uh, re- revived themselves with six biohazard seven no. is biohazard seven what happened in um, six was it more trash um that i i've only seen the uh emblem it's like the purple six and it's all it's all like uh you know zygote uh yeah 
Yeah, this one was like more action-y. I think this is one of the more forgotten ones. Mm, yeah, it sold 11.4 million copies. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. What's with gamers? Anyway, um, I got uh, Alexander's email. Shall we just quickly read through it before we get into the topic? Oh shit! I mean, we we were gonna we were gonna put those questions on hold, weren't we? Because there's a there's a slew of questions there. Or is this a new email again? No, this is seven questions. Um, I mean, yeah, we can put it on hold and do it in like an actual episode. Perhaps. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Let's let's put it on hold and do a lightning round one day when we're ill prepared for an episode. Okay, sounds good. Alexander, the email lies in languish, <laughs> unanswered. <laughs> you have to wait. We'll get there. We'll get there yeah, eventually. We'll get. Um, speaking of getting there eventually, it's time to talk about tutorials. Um, so this is something that we mentioned months ago now, and I started ranting, and it turns out I'm really passionate about tutorials. Um, you know, like I, I just, I couldn't, I, I, I surprised myself. Um, but it's understandable. Like a bad tutorial is like a mealy apple, right? Like you look good. I mean, it looks good. <laughs> you look good. The, ap- <laughs> the look apple good, looks good. <laughs> You're watching yourself bite into the apple. You look uh, good biting into it, but then the it, apple, it, <laughs> eating the apple in front of a mirror is so psychopathic. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no crunch, right? You bite into there's it. No crunch. Uh, it's all mealy. Grief enters your bloodstream. It's not fun. <laughs> um, and it's often your first experience of what a game has to offer. Many games just um, throw you into a uh, into tutorial of sorts. And so, by the way, this is another... I'm, I'm on a roll here with my no research topics. I've Let's got go. um, a bunch of notes that I will consult but this is this is very much a passion topic for me so feel free to call me on my shit at any point oh sure i'll jump in um and so yeah i mean i think teaching a player is a pretty hard job to do it's it's kind of partly what um i used to do for my job you know it was an aspect of project management where you would mm implement a system and you would have to implement a process to get everyone upskilled in that new system um and so you have to account for like different learning styles past experience with similar systems and like pivoting to video games you know past experience of the player um and like worst of all you also have to cater to the average person right um and sometimes the average person is 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 real stupid like when i played metal gear solid rising and i didn't realize there was a healing button mm, like I've, I've played action games before and they usually have healing buttons and i'm sure that game tells you there's a healing button and yet uh there i was just playing through that game that i thought was ultra hard because i didn't realize you could heal yeah, I mean, Metal Gear Solid, was that Rising? Yeah, yeah. The, Rising the has a one. notorious uh, tutorialization issue. Like, this mm. is a well-known thing within the game of people who play the game have spoken about extensively. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Not to do with healing, although, you know, that's probably part of it as well. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the parry system in Metal Gear Solid Rising, Revengeance, whatever it is. Uh, it's a, 
it, you can finish the tutorialization for parrying without parrying. Oh, really? Yes. And so as a result, people get to the end of that game or up to a boss that basically requires you to parry and uh, then turn it off because they think it's impossible. No shit. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That, I mean, number one game on our list, tutorials that need fixing. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, all of this makes the design of tutorials really difficult. And so I want, I want to try and like hammer down on two questions we're going to answer, right? Our, our classic thesis statement. Um, what makes a good tutorial? All right. We're, we're going to do it. And um, <laughs> we're going to do it in uh, 20 minutes. It's, it's easy. It's easy. What makes a good tutorial? Don't yeah, 20 pay minutes. for that. No, yeah. no, yeah. Don't pay for that Bachelor of Game Design. Like, just come here and, and listen to me. Uninformed, highly opinionated. I've got your back. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right. So I decided to break tutorials down into types. Um, okay. and pass Darian, just coming through with the goods. I got three types of tutorials and plenty of examples. So three types, did you say? Three, three types. That's right. All right. So the first type I've got is integrated tutorials. Now this, um, these tutorials force the player into like a trial and error type of gameplay, right? So mm -hmm. like. Um, consider world one from super Mario bros. You like okay. either learn how to jump or you constantly die to that first Goomba that's there. And, um, that's the jumping tutorial. There's no text, um, which is kind of false. Uh, because if you played that game, when you came out, uh, there's, there's no text on the screen, but games oh. used to come with those booklets, yeah. uh, you know, that we all yearn for these days. And they like explain what the buttons do. And they also have like general tips and like strategies, yeah. uh, and like cool art sometimes that's only yeah. in the booklet. Uh, I remember like I had a Sonic booklet and it had Dr. Robotnik, you know, with a little thought bubble or whatever being like, I'm going to eat Sonic or whatever the fuck yeah. his goals are. His horrible, horrible deeds that he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's, it's only like with the death of the video game booklet that I feel these tutorials have become more common, um, which I think is better, right? Like I think the best tutorial is a learning process that doesn't feel tedious. Um, because yes. I, I think, <laughs> I think I was, I was thinking of all the counters to that, but yes, go on. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. That's fair. I think the best part of learning though, or like the best part of learning something new is the feeling of understanding that comes with it. Mm. Um, which is like the entire point of the witness um, mm. you might consider that whole game to just be the best tutorial ever made. Um, because f for me and, and stick, stick with me here, like that, that Goomba in Mario world one, teaching you how to jump is, is the jumping tutorial in Mario and the witness does a similar thing. There's no text. It doesn't tell you. It just kind of puts you in a realm where you can only do certain things. Mm. And the realm is connected to the rest of the game. 
um, which is my reasoning behind calling it an integrated tutorial. So I would class Inscription as a game with an integrated tutorial. Mm -hmm. uh, Mega Man X, Dead Space 2, that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a huge one, you know. And Dead Space 2 is kind of a masterclass in guiding the player in different ways. I think I've talked about this before where that game caters to different learning styles and it's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. So yep. one, one of the main mechanics is, is cutting off the limbs, right? And uh, in that game, the, the mechanic, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago or last week or whenever, uh, where you like shoot a necromorph limb off and then use it as a weapon, um, they tell you to do that in every way possible so there's a video log you find of someone mm -hmm. showing you how to do it it's written on the walls and you can also find an audio tape where someone kind of explains what they've discovered and uh it feels totally in world and it doesn't feel blatant and it's a really impressive way of like you know, catering to visual or auditory or kinesthetic learners. And it's just like, fuck yeah, Dead Space 2. I've got, um, I've got a conundrum for you. you <laughs> yeah, yeah, hit me. So that, that, for what it's worth, that's my, like, that's one of the three types of tutorials, integrated tutorials. I was going to move to the next one. So hit me about the integrated stuff. Yeah, integrated stuff. So, um here's the conundrum you've got mm -hmm. these multiple ways that the game teaches you you know you've got the text you got the video you got the audio it's mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. and then you've got the actual application of putting those things into practice you know mm -hmm. it's like now they put you up against a necromorph that you have to shoot the limbs off of uh, mm -hmm. do, do you have to fire the limbs back in this in this example or no um i mean that's what they're basically telling you to do right okay, is, cool. is to like use the limbs against them as a weapon got it <clears throat> so Here's example one is um, you get those, those varied tutorials mm -hmm. and then you're in a situation where you can defeat the necromorph without shooting the limb back, but mm -hmm. it is still an option to you, right? right? So you've yeah. got ammo in your gun, the necromorph is right there. All you have to do is shoot it back, but you could potentially not shoot a limb off and still destroy it by shooting it instead, you know? Like you'd still totally, shoot. yeah. Second example is uh, you've got a pile of necromorph limbs next to you and a necromorph that's too far away for you to shoot accurately, but you can hit them with the limb easily. Or maybe mm -hmm. you don't have any ammo and you're forced to shoot them with the limb. Yeah, that's better. Mm -hmm. You've got no ammo, pile of limbs, and a necromorph across a bridge that you can't get to. Mm -hmm. And you've got to shoot him with the limb. Which, mm -hmm. is, which is more ideal to teach the player that they have to use the limbs after they've received all those pieces of information? Well... I think the first example is mm. probably better because... Right? Isn't that weird? Yeah, because the point of the whole mechanic is that it's one of the options in your back pocket and you can complete that whole game with ever, without ever shooting a limb. Mm. Um, and so it feels, it feels right that, you know, you're not forced, like funneled into this zone where somehow you've got no ammo and you have to use like the kinesis to shoot yeah. a limb because that's yeah. i mean that's another kind of like that's just inherently something for you to figure out as a player right and that's that's what i was talking about before where like 
the the satisfying thing of learning something new is like the understanding it's like mm. okay maybe i'll try this once and you try it and you're like oh shit okay that does a lot of damage and i didn't use as much ammo so like the game isn't telling me that it's gonna be more efficient to dispatch of necromorphs that way but like you just learn through experience that oh yeah this is this is way better and it and the big one the big one it feels fucking <laughs> great it feels yes. great to do it's like it, it's it's you know they don't funnel you into it they they drop all these breadcrumbs and they're like look this this is we've designed this then you can play with it and then when you start to play with it it just kind of falls into place and i like that you're not funneled into a you know scenario two that you just described there yep yeah, so it's less of like a um, obvious set of puzzle pieces that you need to slot together in order to understand the lesson, and it's more of a room with a door at the other end of it that you can just walk through, but there's also some stuff here that you can use to maybe learn something, but you don't have to, you know? Like, it's mm. kind of... There's, there's, a, there's a layer uh, on top of a bunch of other stuff going on. But yeah, it's, it's, it reminds me a little bit, and I've never been a parent before, but it sounds like parenting, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Go on. Like you can never, uh, or it feels like you probably shouldn't, you know, uh, handhold your child through a bunch of experiences. You know, it feels like you should give them guidance and then let them figure it out themselves. Mm. It's kind of mm. like what you were describing there with the player, you know, like you shouldn't, you, it's it's better for the player if they discover those things on their own. It's better right. for the child to discover those things on their own. Right. And I, I, I think it's it's hard because this kind of gets into subjective territory, but I always yeah. feel like I have a better memory for things that I discover myself r rather than something that is like, you know, pushed on me. Like if, if you've played an RPG ever before, like a JRPG, and they yeah. just push like a million rules onto you and then you take a break and you come back and you remember nothing it's like i feel like one of the reasons is because i mean depending on the time that's passed it's because you just read everything you know they mm. love the pop-up screen in a jrpg yes. <laughs> and so you just read everything and because you're like wanting to progress at the time like it makes sense but when you come back like there's nothing you really did on your own you just yeah. kind of followed their guidance by text yes yeah i also think there's a there is a valid form of that as well. That's like the flight simulator is the best example I can think of where it's like you've printed out the manual for how to fly the 747 mm -hmm. and you're sitting mm -hmm. in front of a, a, a veritable uh, void of controls and knobs and sliders mm -hmm. and you've mm -hmm. got no idea what to do. The game has no text in it, but you've got this manual that you've printed out that talks you through how to take off the plane. Right. Uh, and so that sounds appealing. Yeah, so we're going to get into those a little bit later because, mm. like always, um, coming at a place of privilege when I, I break down these tutorials because some games have a level of complexity that doesn't allow them to create an integrated yeah. tutorial. Um, but we'll get there a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> so just quickly, a bunch of other integrated tutorials, uh, Dark Souls, Hollow Knight, 
um, you know, these are games that have tutorials in the game world and both Dark Souls and Hollow Knight are great examples because there's so much in the game world that they just become a natural part of the experience later on. You know, you revisit those areas where you, uh, you learned what is what. Mm -hmm. And so the next type I've got, type two of three, is isolated tutorials. So these are tutorials that are generally separated from the main game. And um, one, one of the main examples I have for this one is Titanfall 2. So with an isolated tutorial, you basically get to experiment with guidance while in isolation from the actual game. Um, so like, I think good isolated tutorials weave this into the world. Like with Titanfall 2, it's a simulation. Um, with Gears of War 2, you train a rookie. Uh, like and it makes it optional you know both of these are optional in those games and it's like you know press b if you want to you know do the tutorial or press whatever if you want to train the rookie and like by doing that you learn how the game is played but it's mm. not it's not as like gracious as an integrated tutorial like these games are very much like you know you come across an enemy in Gears of War 2 and it'll tell you the buttons to shoot and that kind of thing. Right. There's also like a version of that, which I find I, it's sometimes especially grating where it's like, on your feet, soldier, press Y to heal yourself. Now just <laughs> get down behind some copy, you know, and it's like in world telling you the buttons. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, what was that Far Cry game? Blood Dragon? That, yeah. Uh, that has a, a great tutorial in it where it kind of makes fun of that. Yes. Yes. I love that <laughs> stuff. I, you know, it's, if it's, if it's done in a like, yeah, uh, self aware way, it's very good. But if it's, uh, yeah, if it's trying to be serious, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it does. It does feel weird, weird when characters refer to buttons that you're pressing. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Metal Gear Solid did it in a really cool way i mean it's got to be camp though like yes. I, I think the way you get away with it is camp like blood dragon or metal gear solid you know you come come up against psycho mantis and he's like put your controller on the table and i will move it and yeah, like, yeah. it vibrates across the table and it's like yeah. oh i love this so much but you've got to be in the zone you can't be yeah. you can't be a, a pessimist coming into that otherwise you're just going to be like that is so lame <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know man I, I i think like with the metal gear example maybe this is just me being a fanboy but to me, if a character named Psycho Mantis is, <laughs> is talking to you, you probably shouldn't take him super seriously. <laughs> no, you're so right. You're so yeah. right. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm just trying to, to, to level the playing field because, yeah, I love that shit so much. But I, yeah. I, I can imagine how you wouldn't. And uh, like I've said before, please seek counselling. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so examples of isolated tutorials that I've got here, uh, is Gears of War 2, Titanfall 2, and the original Modern Warfare. Um, mm. if, if you remember, very similar to the Titanfall 2 thing, it's kind of got this tutorial zone oh, off yeah. to the side and, yep. um, yeah, it's like a gauntlet that you can run and they time you and it basically, um, gets you to use all of the mechanics at least once. 
that one is interesting because it actually gives you a difficulty, a suggested difficulty based on your time. Yeah, yeah, so it does. And that's uh that's cool. I think yeah. that's that's really cool. And yeah, man, I, I remember that was my first COD that that original modern warfare. And mm. I remember playing on easy or some shit the first time because they were like, mate, you're green as hell. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember like you could um you could choose the other difficulties, but it was like implied that you should be selecting a certain one. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. so risky, you know? Like, what a risky thing to do in a video game. Mm, like, what yeah. if the player grinds and, like, makes it so that they do get veteran and then they play on veteran and it's, like, a horrible experience for them? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I came back years later experienced as heck and veteran is still a horrible experience. <laughs> like, it's You just... die so fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's brutal. It's, uh, you know, it, it has its merits though like it's it is really fun to like really workshop a room because i mm. remember the encounters being really well designed and when you when you play that shit on veteran it's it's so well designed that if you make a single mistake you're dead so like yeah. it felt good kind of coming into a room dying 20 times but by the end you're just kind of a master of like where you think the ai is gonna go and how to handle them totally yep Hell yeah. All right. My third type of tutorial uh, is, is called fucked tutorials. Uh, I, I do have in brackets lazy tutorial, but yeah. this, this is where you're just copying endless walls of text. Mm. Um, and like, I think this happens a lot in modern action games where you're in the middle of trial and error, you know, you're out there in the world or whatever, and you're like fucking doing a bunch of stuff. The dawn of understanding is slowly breaking across your furrowed <laughs> brow and then uh, bam, wall of text. And yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't have much to say about these types of tutorials. They're just like really stupid and they feel really lazy in, in games um, that could have a better tutorial. Um, so <laughs> all of the examples I've got are from soft games, um, you know, which of course I love, but man, those tutorials are bad. So like Sekiro, Elden Ring, mm -hmm. Armored mm -hmm. Core 6, uh, and, and this is, this is really heartbreaking because, you know, but my boy Dark Souls is up there and he integrated tutorials fucking kicking ass. It's just an incredible tutorial, great design, fits into the world. Uh, and yeah, it, yeah, they just slowly get more and more forgetful with each release about yep. how to craft a good tutorial. And I feel like we've already talked about it with Armored Core 6. That was just atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, there's like this other side of the argument that's like you, that you need the player to understand certain things and maybe the best way is to just just stop the game and make them read something or it's it the other side of the discussion is like uh why are all these like ladders and um waypoints here and it's like oh it's because the players get lost like we play like the play tester played this like a thousand times and didn't know where to go until we made the ladder bright yellow mm -hmm. uh, and so it's kind of like a similar thing with tutorials it's, it's like well, we either have the player not understand or they continue to play the game. Uh, and it's like, yes, it's, it is lazy to a certain extent, but it's also like, do we have the skill or the time or what, whatever X factor it is to be able to teach them this? Or can we just throw in a wall of text and call it a day? 
Right, know, right. And and I think there's a level of pedigree that FromSoft rely on. Like mm. they get to release games now to millions of people bare minimum. And yeah. so it it's I, I I agree with you. I think it's one of those things where it comes down to like where does the budget for the tutorial come from? Like obviously the priority is getting the game together. And so mm. if they get the game together, like I mean, maybe you can tell me, but the way I see the tutorial being implemented in games is generally the rest of the game is made first and then the studio would focus on the tutorial. Does that sound right? I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, in those like big AAA examples, it probably is just completely offhanded to another department or, you know, barely ever spoken of until a certain point in development. But mm-hmm. with the game that we've been working on, it's usually, there's usually some, you know, when we're talking about a new feature or a new section or idea or whatever, mm. there's usually some amount of discussion about, oh, how do we show the player that this is what they need to do? Right. You know, like what UI do we have? What, what you know, is there any text? We don't want to ever show this X, Y, Z thing, but maybe we could do it with this instead. Like one of the things that we we're talking about recently was like, how do we, how does the player know, like if we're blending from cinematic to gameplay, how does the player know that they're going to start playing? Mm, right. You know, okay. Like, do we have like a little symbol on the screen or do you, if you have a cinematic that has black bars at the top and bottom, do you fade those black bars up and down? And so the player knows that, oh, the black bars are gone. It must mean gameplay begins now. Or is it just right. a camera angle thing? You know, when the, when the camera meanders behind the character, it's kind of like, oh, it's time to start playing. <laughs> you know, like, how do we, how do you get that point across? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, and, you know, that's, that maybe that's not the case all the time. Like, maybe you don't have the camera able to go behind the player or the character. And so how do you tell the player that input's required? Right. You know, is, yeah. is it just stuck there without moving for a little bit of time until the player decides to press a button? Yeah. Yeah. So... Which, yeah and and yeah i don't know it's it's hard it's hard it's a big topic <laughs> yeah and mm. on that last point that that is my that is my preferred way to go where like uh you know i'll be playing something something modern and uh mm-hmm. i'll just be staring at like an idle character for a while and i'm like oh right it's gameplay now and yeah. uh, i just start pressing all the buttons that's i feel like that's just the best way to learn <laughs> totally yeah uh, I, yeah um it's tricky i don't really know the best answer um i think it comes down to like a lot of of trial and error Uh, Mm. if you have time to test these things if you have a budget to test these things it's uh it's usually good to test these things (laughs) Um, sometimes you don't have those things and uh you just you just end up shipping whatever you whatever the best thing you could think of at the time was Mm. yeah after crunching for 18 months straight and yeah raising a child um (laughs) so circling back to our thesis statement what makes a good tutorial Mm. um i think largely this depends on the complexity of the game um like it's easy to praise the inscription tutorial because while it's like super well designed the rules of the game are pretty straightforward um and so i don't think it's really fair to compare that to a tutorial from something like a civilization game Mm -hmm. Uh, because there's just like there's a level of complexity that the player needs to understand to have the experience the devs are setting out to give and for the artful escape 
that experience is pretty straightforward. But for like Star Citizen, that experience is fucking complex as hell. Mm. Um, so I th- I think my answer for this question is is ultimate ultimately like something that makes the learning process fun. Um, and that kind of depends on the player in a pretty major way. Yeah. Like if, if you genuinely find resource management fun, like you're probably going to enjoy the Factorio tutorial. Mm. Um, but like, if you, if you don't, I can see why you might see that as like work, you know, or like yeah. we've, we've had those games on game, uh, games club where we've played them and just been like, fuck, it felt like going to work, you know? Yeah. And it's just like probably us playing a game that we don't really set out to play. And so it felt like a chore rather than something mm. we could get excited about. Um, yep. and the other thing that impacts like the success of each tutorial is how familiar the player is with games like that. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, c- coming out here with a bit of uh, self-critique, like Inscription was not my first card game on yep. the block. You know what I'm saying? And so maybe my prior knowledge plays a larger role than I realize. Like it, it's one of those things where and unless you're like setting out at the time and being hyper conscious of everything, I think it's pretty hard to answer because when like you come into a hard game, a card game, sorry. And you got like 3000 hours on Hearthstone. It, a lot of it makes sense straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think all of these things contribute to the tutorial as a whole. Um, and ultimately there's a level of, subjectivity that players are going to project when they play the tutorial and that's like really hard to design around Mm. um but at the same time i think that is what maybe gives a good tutorial its power so like you know going back to that factorio thing if if that kind of game appeals to you you're gonna be game for whatever tutorial it throws at you i think Whereas yeah. like if, if you come into inscription and you've got no experience with card games, but it appeals to you, I think you're probably going to come away thinking it was a pretty good tutorial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's the ultimate challenge, right? Like you, you've basically got to make an experience that is uh, palatable for both the person who's played every Dark Souls game, playing the newest Dark Souls game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also a player that's never played a Dark Souls game to play that most recent Dark Souls game. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah. you need to have to, to cater to both of those uh, audiences. And in doing so, you kind of shaft both of them at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I think yeah. you're right. I think it's it's something that devs can only hope to get mostly right Mm -hmm. i I, like i just think it's one of those things where you're not going to succeed with 100 percent of players there's just no way yeah yeah you uh i guess yeah totally um it's also a little bit on the um i noticed this a little bit with the zelda games the most the two most recent zelda games is it's like Mm -hmm. Um, a certain amount of allowance needs to be made by most players that they need to be able to work certain things out. Like Mm. you can't just go into every single game expecting them to have told you everything about the game as soon as you start playing or like, Mm. as you know, like you have to actually try and, you know, make observations, uh, look at things, 
figure things out, trial things, die a bunch, you know, like right. it's, I think that like if, if players can sort of come to the table a little bit, <laughs> it, it, hel- it helps uh, design these things. It's like you wouldn't need waypoint markers as much if the player was willing to explore, mm. you know, uh, you wouldn't need. But, you know, I guess part of that is, like, you need to make the thing enjoyable to explore in the first place. I guess that's what, like, the Elden Ring thing was about, right? Like, if the, if the land isn't exciting and interesting and weird and, and, like, explorable, then you can't really expect the player to just not have a waypoint. Totally. And I, I think that's where those, those recent titans of the open world succeed. Like, those, mm-hmm. those, you know, Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring just do such a good job of, like uh making you want to get out there and it it feels like part of the game that they don't explain everything to you like it's part of the game that in elden ring when you open a chest and it teleports you that you're surprised you know like that would feel so i don't know it would feel like a big miss if like at the very start they were like hey there are these chests out there yeah buddy. all right you've already told me like four different ways i can throw a dagger or shoot an arrow in like giant text boxes like this is this is definitely part of the game that i want to experience myself rather than have it in a text box yes so yeah i mean that's another thing that you kind of want to think about when building out a tutorial is like give the player basically only enough information to get by and imply that there's more <laughs> that's the right. that's where the challenge is you know it's like oh here's right. here's the here's the uh the system you know and then like in in the learning of the system there's a few moments where they're they're sort of tempted to do things outside of the suggestions yeah um, which game that's you know that's that's a big challenge right there and also all sorts of different games. Yeah. Look, it's a big topic. All right. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, babe, we nailed it. We yeah, totally nailed it. You had a lot of good points. I can't remember what I said. Perfect podcast. <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> That's an instant classic right there. Um, hell yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're changing the formula a little bit in, in the coming weeks. Joe's going to do a double whammy um, while, while I'm overseas. So get... Get excited for some topics that have not yet been decided on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to get get my topics figured, but yeah, that'll happen. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful, safe journey. Yeah, thanks, dude. I'm I'm really excited. We're gonna do one recording while I'm while I'm out there. So yeah, that we'll see. We'll see. It's it's so weird. It's gonna act as a kind of diary, you know these yeah. uh, these podcasts. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. You want to wrap us up? Hell yeah. Well, we hope you'll have a really lovely weekend and we'll catch you when it's almost the weekend again. Goodbye. Bye.